back to the Chain Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Shaughnessy, a co-founder and principal at Delphi Digital. For those new to the podcast, Delphi Digital is an independent research boutique providing institutional-grade analysis on the digital asset market. You can add your email on delphidigital.io for our research alerts. Today, I'm thrilled to have on Zach Prince, the co-founder and CEO of BlockFi. BlockFi is focused on providing basic financial products in the blockchain ecosystem. BlockFi provides access to high-interest crypto accounts and low-cost credit products to clients around the globe. We just had Dharma on, and we previously had MakerDAO on, so this episode continues down the finance rabbit hole. With that, here's my conversation with Zach. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have on Zach Prince, the co-founder and CEO of BlockFi. How's it going, Zach? Going well, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So, Zach, give us your rundown how you got started in crypto. How I got started in crypto. I've been working in uh, venture-backed tech companies my entire career. Most recently, I was in uh, financial technology, specifically the lending side. And I was at some event. I can't remember which one, but uh, Bitcoin was basically recommended to me as a kind of hot investment tip. And, you know, I downloaded the Coinbase app and bought some. It was early 2015. And that started my proverbial trip down the rabbit hole. Fast forward to 2016, my wife told me that um, I needed to go find some people to talk with about crypto because I was talking to her about it. And she was tired of hearing me talk about it. And so I started going to, to meetups in New York City. And then early 2017, uh, you know, as mainstream adoption was really starting to hit and the enterprise Ethereum Alliance got announced and prices were obviously doing well, I just decided that um, I had to get involved in the space full time. And uh, given that I've been working in, in debt and credit markets and fintech, the most logical thing to do was, uh, you know, something that that fit within that realm in the crypto world. And so decided to start BlockFi in July of 2017 with my with my co-founder, Flory. That's well, we have to give your wife some credit for pushing you further down the rabbit hole. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, she definitely gets some credit. She, uh, she encouraged me to, you know, explore my, my curiosity about the space and also to uh, just take the leap in, in terms of starting a company. So that's great. So give us the rundown or the elevator pitch on BlockFi. Sure. So right now, BlockFi has uh, two different products. Um, at the highest level, we're trying to enable crypto investors to do more with their assets. And the two things that we're doing right now are we're enabling crypto investors to access low-cost USD in the form of a loan. We're now lending at rates as low as 4.5% per year. And then we also have uh, the ability for crypto investors to earn interest in uh, what basically for all intents and purposes is a savings account, but it's denominated in crypto. So in the same way that when you deposit your dollars with a bank, you earn interest, it's paid monthly, it compounds after it's paid. We're doing the same thing with Bitcoin and Ether. Those are the two products we have today. And this year, we're going to be uh, launching additional products that all fit under that same umbrella of a platform for crypto investors to do more with their assets. And it's going to be products that look very similar to the types of things you can do with traditional assets. That makes a lot of sense. So let's dive into the lending side of your business just to go through some of the 
you know, metrics and performance there, you know, what's the, like the max loan amount or like the minimum amount that somebody can, um, can get a loan for with using their crypto? Sure. The minimum. So we lend it a, up to a 50% loan to value ratio. So you can borrow up to half of the, the current value of your crypto assets. Uh, we have a minimum loan size of $2,000. Um, we say publicly that we have a maximum of uh, $10 million per loan, but uh, if there was someone that wanted to borrow more than that, we could probably do it. So minimum of two k and, and effectively no max. That's awesome. So what does the 50% loan-to-value ratio mean in comparison with traditional loans? Is that higher or lower? Uh, it's it's um, analogous to uh, borrowing against uh, securities. So, like if you have a portfolio of stocks in a in, a, in an account at E Trade, and you want to, um, you know, either uh, use margin to buy more stocks in that account, or get uh, USD in the form of a loan to your bank account, you can do that. And generally it's at a kind of maximum 50% loan to value or uh, two to one leverage. Um, so it's, uh, it's middle of the road. And, and we felt that the model from securities, which are more regulated than what we're doing in terms of those ratios was a, was a good one to, was a good one to follow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess just on the collateral types while we're on the topic, I mean, what collateral do you accept today? And and do you think that this will expand over time? Sure. So today we work with uh, Bitcoin, Ether and Litecoin as accepted collateral types. Uh, We do anticipate expanding that. um, And it'll really be a, a function of, you know, market cap and, and demand that we see from potential customers. So the most likely assets that we'll uh, support next are Ripple and Bitcoin Cash. That that makes sense. Is it? I'm guessing it's harder. It's probably easier and harder to support different asset types here, right? Or is it pretty much the same process for each? Well, the risk modeling is, is uh, effectively the same. Um, they have different liquidity profiles. Uh, so... Um, there might be, uh, you know, maximum portfolio sizes for for some of the assets as we work down market that are put in place that wouldn't be there for for the larger assets like Bitcoin. Um, the biggest thing that we have to be considerate of is uh, where we're going to custody the assets. So right now we custody uh, all of our assets with uh, Gemini, and so if we're working with something. For us to work with something that isn't supported on the Gemini platform uh, would require us to, you know, have another custodial solution, which is something we haven't done to date. Got it. That makes sense. And, you know, I'm just wondering about the competitive landscape here. And it seems like people buy crypto and they just forget about it. So you're kind of giving them an avenue to to earn interest or or take loans out. I mean, who are your competitors here on the crypto side? Like, would it be something like MakerDAO or would it be closer to Dharma? I'm just wondering. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, we have we have a number of competitors. The way we think about competition is in three buckets. Um, the first bucket is other startups, and other startups could be either uh, decentralized startups or attempting to be decentralized startups like MakerDAO. Uh, it could be platforms built on Ethereum that aren't decentralized like Dharma and Lever. Um, it could be... Uh, companies that also have a utility token um and then so that's the first bucket other startups uh the second bucket is established uh crypto companies 
Um, so for example, uh, Coinbase, Circle, um, Square might fall into that bucket down the road. And they're not directly competitive with us yet because they don't have the same uh, products or, or functionality that we do today. But we're pretty confident that they will at some point in the future, probably on a six to uh, uh, 24 month timeframe. And then the third bucket is uh, traditional financial institutions, uh, which we think will take even longer to compete with us. But we do anticipate that happening. So um, Fidelity, who's also an investor in BlockFi, I think at some point in the future will want to uh, offer loans and the ability to earn interest on assets. Um, and traditional banks uh, might uh, eventually come into the, to the space as well. So our job is to kind of out-compete uh, our current competitors. And then uh, further out, our job is to deliver enough value for our customers, diversify our product suite enough so that we can be um, we can be competitive when inevitably larger platforms do start offering the same things that we already have. Uh, and so that, that's how we think about competition. There's no shortage of it. You know, crypto is a, a high-paced competitive environment. So one of the biggest challenges that we have is keeping our foot far enough down on the gas pedal uh without um you know without without burning people out and and kind of growing really fast and uh iterating and launching new products really fast um but uh you know doing it responsibly as well oh no i'm all about competition in crypto i think we should be more competitive and and you know go beyond the tech to that so you know on your last point with where you compete with traditional loan providers could we walk through the process of how a user would get a loan on BlockFi. I just want to kind of compare and contrast how easier or harder it would be. Yeah, so um, you can go to BlockFi.com. There's a lot of educational material on there, ranging from articles describing how it works to a loan calculator where you can get a breakdown of monthly payments, interest rates, margin call prices, etc. cetera. Uh, from there, once you decide you want to, you know, you're ready to um, take the next step, you would create an account, uh, provide some information that enable, enables us to do the KYC and, and AML type compliance that we need to do, uh, receive a loan offer, uh, sign the loan offer, send the crypto to a unique deposit address that we create for you, and then we wire the money to your bank account. And that entire process, while there's actually a few steps in it, it can happen in you know uh, under 30 minutes from end to end, meaning the cash is in your bank account and the crypto has been received uh, on BlockFi. That makes a lot of sense. So I guess the interest rates and fees on BlockFi, this, is this a marketplace between users like lenders and buyers, or is this basically BlockFi dealing with those who want loans? Yeah, we're we're making the market, um, and so we have a set price. Uh, you get a you get a instant decision. You know exactly what the prices are. BlockFi determines those prices. BlockFi is the lender of record. We do all of the heavy, uh, you know, lifting in terms of regulatory compliance and and payments and customer service. Um, but then we are functionally making a a small market on the back end. Um, so we have to get that money that we're lending out from somewhere. Uh, and we do that from uh, a number of institutional channels. We're actually the first company uh, in, in the world to raise institutional capital to support lending USD secured by crypto. Um, so we have a number of different uh, institutional relationships that uh, that we manage to provide us with that capital. Uh, but we're, we're making the market from a BlockFi's client perspective. 
That makes sense. And I guess the crypto loan use cases, I mean, do you think that it's the same? Like, do you think people are coming to BlockFi for the same reasons they go to Wells Fargo? Like, is this for buying a house or like starting a business or, or is this for other use cases? Yeah, so we've, we've seen a couple of different things. Um, and it, it varies a bit by loan size. So uh, for smaller loan sizes, call it $25,000 or lower, the most common use case we see is paying down higher cost debt. So someone has credit card debt or student loan debt, um, and they can get a loan from BlockFi at a lower cost, use the proceeds from the loan to pay off that higher cost debt. Uh, and you know that's a really smart uh, uh, transaction to make from their point of view. As you go up to scale in terms of loan amounts, it's really a wealth management tool. So one of the benefits of borrowing against your crypto rather than selling your crypto to generate cash is that you don't trigger a taxable event. So we have a lot of clients who will use the proceeds of the loan to make investments. And those investments could be in things like uh, stocks and bonds. It could be in uh, private funds. It could be in investment property, like, you know, to your, to your point on real estate. Um, and that has further uh, tax benefits, which is that if you use the proceeds from a loan to make investments, then the interest that's charged to you on that loan becomes tax deductible if you're someone who's uh, itemizing deductions on your tax returns. Um, so those are the use cases. So paying down higher cost debt, wealth management tools. There's a little bit, a really small amount of uh, using the proceeds from the loan to buy more crypto. Although we're not really the best option if that's your objective, because the the amount of leverage we're offering is pretty low relative to uh, you know other options that are available in the market. That makes sense. So I guess from start to finish, um, it sounds like the process of applying for a loan is relatively fast. How long does it take to say get accepted or or get funded, et cetera? Yeah, I mean we can go end to end in under thirty minutes. So you can get accepted, sign your loan agreement, send your crypto. And we wire fund. Well, we have two funding options currently. We either wire funds to a bank account or fund using uh, a stablecoin. Um, so if it's you know banking hours and you're getting funded with a with a bank wire, uh, you can have the money in your account within 30 minutes of coming to the website. Wow! And this is in comparison to traditional loans where it takes like weeks or even months to get funded, right? Yeah, I mean, for a mortgage, uh, the process is kind of minimum 30 days for unsecured consumer loans, uh, you know, a couple days, um, you know, anytime you're dealing with a bank, it's, uh, it's a bit of a lengthy process. So for, for our flow, it's a bit more analogous to like Wealthfront. Uh, if you're familiar with them, it's a robo advisor and Wealthfront has a portfolio line of credit feature, uh, which is basically a button you can click in your Wealthfront account to get a, a loan backed by your, uh, securities balance with Wealthfront, and our end-to-end transaction time is similar to that. So same day, uh, minutes, not hours. So where is the customer crypto held? Like, is this something that you guys take possession and custody of, or is this something that they say lock in a smart contract? What happens to the the consumer crypto that's backing the loan? Yeah, so we decided early on that uh, secure storage wasn't. Um, 
you know, an area where we wanted to add value to the ecosystem or thought that it was our role to add value to the ecosystem. And we looked for partners to provide that uh, secure storage functionality. And we decided to work with, uh, with Gemini on it. Um, it's been a, a really good decision because since we made that selection in early 2017, they've done things like uh, get insurance on the assets that they're custodying. custodying. They went through a SOC 2 uh, compliance audit, which is, um, which is a, a massive feat. Uh, and so what happens is every client at block five receives a unique deposit address. When they send crypto to us, we never touch the private keys. It goes straight from wherever they're sending it from into secure storage with Gemini. And then we take advantage of Gemini's platform where, you know, 95% or more of the assets at any point in time are kept in cold storage. They have insurance on what's not in cold storage and they, you know, custody billions of dollars worth of crypto and have a perfect track record of keeping it safe. That, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess back to the question of the LTV ratios, like what happens if the value of crypto falls significantly. Like I know in the MakerDAO system, if you go sub 150% collateralization ratio, which is different from loan-to-value ratio, I believe, um, then you could be ripe for getting liquidated. Um, how does that happen in BlockFi or, or does it? Uh, it? It happens similarly. Um, we have a, uh, a higher maximum ratio. So we do ours in, in loan-to-value terms. So for us, it's, uh, it's an 80% LTV, which I think would, uh, you know, it would be like 120 or 125 percent the way MakerDAO presents it. Um, but at an 80 percent LTV, we would uh, uh, our system would automatically initiate a partial collateral sale, and we would use the proceeds from that partial collateral sale to pay down some of the loan and rebalance the LTV. Um, well before our system did that. There would be multiple notifications uh, that are sent to our customers um, uh, along the way. One of the things that's fundamentally different about BlockFi versus MakerDAO today in terms of that process is that we don't charge any penalties uh, for our customers who you know, may hit that liquidation ratio. And less than 5% of our customers have ever hit that ratio, despite the fact that we were lending, you know, we've been lending since uh, January 2nd of, of 2018. Um, on MakerDAO, it's a 13% liquidation penalty, and I believe the entire position is closed out. With BlockFi, there's no penalty. We don't close out the entire loan. We just we just sell enough to rebalance the LTV to a healthy ratio. And we've even had times uh, where you know we've made the decision to, for example, in November around Thanksgiving time, we had a client or two that um, you know received a warning notification and then had a partial collateral liquidation in a time period of less than 24 hours. And it was a holiday and we, you know, are able to say, you know what, we'll just, we'll just unwind that. Um, versus when you're doing something in smart contracts, obviously it, uh, it happens and there's, there's not really a, a way to be flexible with, uh, your client service, uh, in the same way that a company like BlockFi can. That's interesting. And you know, I remember during the 0809 crisis, like a lot of people were, you know, underwater on their mortgages, but it took like months or years for people to actually get say evicted from their houses or, you know, which you know nobody wants, but it seems like your process is like way faster in that regard. Does does that have any implications for borrowers or lenders? I feel like if I was a lender here, I would feel more comfortable with this scenario than that one. Uh, sure. I mean, look, th this type of lending on the spectrum of different types of lending is one of the lowest risk types of lending. 
Um, you're lending secured by liquid collateral. Bitcoin and Ether, you know, uh, have a ton of liquidity. The markets are open 24 uh, seven. So if something happens on Sunday at 3 a.m. And, and from a risk management perspective, you need to sell some of those assets that are being pledged as security, you're able to do it. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's less risky. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And going back to the competition, I guess not on the traditional side, but more of the, the crypto-based side. I know Pomp shared a tweet the other day on one of the companies Morgan Creek invested in was called Figure. They're like a year old and they're using 65 million bucks to do loans uh, with blockchain. I'm not actually sure where they're using the blockchain in their system, but it seems like your whole market and target market is experiencing some pretty strong growth um, just within your competitors as well. Yeah, I think they're doing yeah. something like a million and a half in originations a day or something. Yeah, definitely. And they're they're uh, bringing completely different products to the market than BlockFi, uh, but it's a very exciting company. So Mike Cagney, the CEO of that company, was previously the CEO of a company called SoFi. Um, SoFi is an investor in BlockFi. Um, and my understanding of what they're building at Figure is they are making uh, traditional home equity loans. Um, and they are making these uh, home equity loans using a technology stack that's built on blockchain. Um, and the grand vision is that they're going to not only diversify the products that they're offering to the customers that they're acquiring by offering home equity loans, but they're also going to keep using that blockchain infrastructure. And as they uh, flow those loan assets that they're originating into the debt capital markets, specifically the securitization market, they're going to bring the blockchain technology with it and try to create a more efficient uh, operational flow for debt capital markets, which are massive and still you know, largely manual, uh, manual markets in terms of how the operations work. That makes sense. And, you know, I'm wondering if you think about the systemic effects from what you guys are doing here. And I, I think it's pretty interesting. And I just want to share one example. If you stake, if you own Decred right now and you stake it, you could earn something like 10 to 12% a year. And it looks like the costs for loans on BlockFi are around 6.5%. Um, I know you guys don't support Decred right now, but do you think that your platform will allow users or more sophisticated investors to arbitrage these different assets? Like, you know, take a loan out from BlockFi and then just stake it in Decred and make the spread? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, by the way, that's uh, one of the oldest wealth management tricks in the book. Um, if you can if you can borrow at X and then use the money that you borrowed at X to earn X plus Y, um, then that's a fantastic way to, to grow your wealth. So we see our clients uh, taking advantage of opportunities like that already. Um, and we're, you know, thrilled that Crypto investors are now able to um, create opportunities like that for themselves to grow their wealth. It's really important, and it's and it's a really valuable utility for crypto assets to have that they did not have uh, a year and a half ago. Nobody on this podcast can take that idea. By the way, that's that's totally mine only. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So going to back to competition again. I mean, on on the Dharma side, I mean, how is the the six and a half percent APR you guys have on the site? Like, how does that compare to like a marketplace um, that could be built out, whether it be on Dharma or others? Do you think that you'll have to like adjust these rates frequently to stay competitive, or do you think that this is probably good for now? Uh, I think we'll you know be constantly be adjusting rates to remain competitive for 
you know, the segments of the market or the, the client base that, uh, that we don't have yet or that we, that we want. Um, my personal, uh, opinion on, on the model of, you know, what's the optimal model for a lending company, uh, is informed by my experience in what was originally called the peer to peer lending market is now just referred to as, uh, the online lending market. And the evolution that happened in that market was it started peer to peer. And the original idea was that you could have, you know, uh, borrowers that are individual people and investors that are individual people and match them together, cut out the banks and create a more technology enabled and, and efficient uh, system of, of moving capital around. What happened in that space as it grew, and it now represents over a third of consumer loan originations and, and I think about 10 to 20% of business loan originations in the United States is that institutional capital came in and is now responsible for over 90% of, of the funding in that market. And the companies that were able to scale successfully and that originate the most volume in that market are the ones that were effective at accessing that institutional capital. So, uh, you know, Dharma Lever is still just getting started, so we'll see how that market evolves. But we're really, you know, confident in the position that BlockFi's in in terms of making the market ourselves, having strong connectivity into institutional capital that comes at a low cost and is scalable. And we'll see where it goes. I mean, we, we don't rule out the opportunity that we could potentially work with them in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but, uh, we, you know, we'll see what happens. That makes sense. And I, I guess the question here is, when you deal with traditional Wall Street, you know, veterans or banks, do you see like a Wells Fargo or a Bank of America, what have you, as a potential partner for you guys? Or do you think that it's better to stay competitive or that's too far down the road for now? Um, I mean, we, we already have uh, strong relationships with a few banks. So we have, uh, you know, corporate banking relationships with three different banks. Um, in terms of uh, raising capital to fund the loans, um, banks are not ready to do that yet. It's still, it's still really, really early. But it will be much easier for a bank to use their capital to fund loans originated by BlockFi versus doing it themselves. Uh, but we do have strong relationships with uh, different types of institutional capital uh, to fund the loans like uh, credit funds uh, and family offices. Um, so, you know, it's Wells Fargo and those guys are still so far away from doing anything with, with crypto assets that uh, it's just too early. But um, there are other types of uh, institutional capital that are actively supporting us. And there are other things that we're already doing with banks and that we will do with banks in the future. We're planning on doing stuff with uh, both debit cards and credit cards later on this year. And we'll probably do that via a partnership with a bank. So having the regulatory compliance and the KYC and AML policies enables us to have those relationships, even though right now they're not necessarily for lending capital. They're for other things, but it's still valuable. Yeah, I know. I, I love easy user interfaces and user experiences. And it would be great if you guys were say on Coinbase and somebody could, you know, get a loan just by clicking next to their, their wallet on there or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that will, I think that will exist one day, but uh, for now you just have to do it on, uh, on your BlockFi login. Got it. And just a few more questions on, on the loan process. I mean, you guys offer loans for business and for personal. Are there any differences on the rates or mechanics of that or, or anything there? 
No differences uh, on the rates. Um, we have slightly better pricing for larger loan sizes, regardless of whether it's a loan to an individual or a business. Um, the only difference is that uh, we have to do a, a bit of extra uh, underwriting um, with a business. We need to see the same information that we would for an individual person on anyone that owns 10% or more of the business. So sometimes we're you know doing uh, KYC stuff for three people or five people if it's a business versus just one if it's an individual. Um, and that can take a couple extra minutes, but it's, it's no major difference. Got it. And, and on the collateral, I mean, do you guys have to like be in the tech and in the weeds of the crypto market? Cause like, you know, what if there's like a contentious fork with Bitcoin or Ethereum or Litecoin, like, does that play into loans there on collateral or is it really just about the pricing and the value of the collateral there? Yeah, I mean, because we're you know because we're not involved uh, directly custodying private keys, it's it's not on us technically to support forks, um, and we basically just you know pass through uh, whatever happens related to a fork from whatever partner we're using to custody assets. And if in the future there were some major fork that didn't look like it was going to be supported on the custody platform that we were using, and we felt that our clients should have access to those assets, then we would probably take the necessary steps to, uh, you know, ensure that they, they were able to get access to those four coins. Got it. That makes sense. And, you know, congrats on your recent raise. I saw that was at 4 million bucks and I think, uh, fidelity was listed there, right? Yeah, we had a, we had a fantastic group of investors in that last round, uh, fidelity, Susquehanna, Acuna capital, CMT digital, recruit strategic partners out of Japan, and then also uh, Morgan Creek Capital, Anthony Pompliano's firm. Um, and they all kind of add value to us in, in different strategic ways, which is uh, something that's uh, really important when we think about who we want involved uh, as investors in the company. So um, it was exciting, and you'll, you'll be seeing uh, more fundraising announcements from us uh, this year as well. Uh, we're in a capital intensive business, so um, we'll, we'll be raising uh, more more capital in the near future. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, you guys, so you guys raised like a million and a half from Consensus Ventures and others, and then you had a big round this summer, right? It was like fifty two million bucks with Galaxy Digital on top of that. Yeah, that's right. And that's all. That's basically just to support the lending uh, of the side of the business, correct? Yeah, the bulk of that fifty two point five million that we announced over the summer with Galaxy is. Uh, specifically committed to funding loans that were that we're making on the platform. A portion of it was equity as well, but but the majority was uh, specifically going towards lending capital. That's awesome! Congrats, and I'm I'm guessing that gives you guys a lot of runway in a world where projects are you know running out of money left and right. Uh, yeah, we're not going to run out of money. Gotcha. And so I guess just from the U.S. perspective, I mean, are you guys, can you operate like in any state? Like if I open my browser up and I'm in New York versus New Jersey, am I able to get a loan or is there any penalties or restrictions there? Uh, we are in, I believe, 48 states uh, for the loan product. I can't recall which two we're not in, but it's they're, they're smaller states. So, you know, in New York and New Jersey, you would see the same thing and, and be able to access the product in both. Um, we did a lot of, uh, you know, regulatory work uh, in the first year of the company, uh, whether it was state lending licenses or compliance with the Uniform Commercial Code or our federal registration with FinCEN as a financial institution. Um, 
and it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy. We definitely had some uh, some interesting and challenging experiences with regulators as we were getting all those things set up. Um, but in the U.S., at least, it, it's uh, it's largely it's largely behind us, and it's and it's worked well. That's awesome. And so I guess we could switch over. You guys just announced your BlockFi interest account. I think everybody's excited to hear about this. What's the rundown on this new product you guys have? Sure. So the the rundown is pretty straightforward. In the same way that when you have a savings account at a bank and you earn interest every month and that interest compounds after it's put into your account, we're bringing that functionality to initially Bitcoin and Ether at a 6% annual rate, which after the effect of compounding equates to a 6.2% annual yield on your crypto assets and paid in crypto. So it's a way to uh, generate income in crypto uh, and grow your wealth uh, completely passively. Um, And we launched it uh, privately uh, to a small kind of select audience uh, at the end of January. Um, We kicked the tires on it. It it scaled up pretty quickly to, you know, north of 10 million in a really short amount of time. And I'm not sure exactly when we're going to air this podcast, but uh, we're launching it publicly on on Tuesday, uh, March 6th. And we're really excited to um, you know, share it with, uh, share it with more, with more people. That's incredible. And it, the 6% interest, the annual interest, and I believe it's compounded monthly. I mean, that's just, it puts your competition basically to dust there. I mean, I think Dharma has, uh, a 10th of a percent that they're offering. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think right now they're guaranteeing like 4% on ETH. Um, there's not really, you know, there's not really competition, uh, at scale for what we're doing. There's also a max size on, on Dharma, at least today. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's unique. We're excited to bring it to the market. Um, and we think it, we think it'll be well received and it has been so far. Yeah. No, in in Dharma's defense, I think that's just a 10th of a basis point or a 10th of a percent. I believe that's just on their site basically as a placeholder for now, but I think they're definitely offering higher percents, like you said. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's four percent on ETH and three percent on USDC right now, um, but uh, yeah, so we're you know we're doing it for Bitcoin as well. Um, the majority of the assets that uh, came into to the interest account uh, during the beta were were Bitcoin, although we did receive a large amount of of ETH as well, and we're generating the the yield by lending to uh, institutional borrowers who post collateral in USD above the value of the, the crypto that they're borrowing. And then we're leveraging that same risk management system that performed perfectly uh, on the USD lending side of things uh, to manage risk and uh, you know, generate the yield for interest account clients. That's, that's awesome. So if I deposit Bitcoin or Ether, I'm getting my interest in Bitcoin or Ether. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh wow! So I guess um, it's probably a dumb question, or you know, a law. But you know, the six point two percent interest on the savings account, and then the lending sides at six point five percent. I mean, it just seems like a very small spread to make. Um, am I thinking about that the right way? Or well, uh, we we actually make. You should think of it more as like a a spread on each product. So um, we get access to dollars at at one cost, and then the yield that we're generating when we lend out crypto is a different thing and on crypto we're you know now paying 6.2 percent a year to our depositors for it um so 
they're not a, they're not necessarily interconnected from a how is BlockFi able to generate revenue on each product. What is interconnected for us is that we're doing more, we're providing more services uh, to our clients, and that's uh, you know really what our ambition is to have a diversified suite of products all within the same theme of enabling crypto investors to do more with their assets and grow their wealth. And we're now on product number two and later this year we'll have products three and four as well. So you have 10 million locked up in the private beta for this product, the savings account. It seems like if you can do that privately, it seems like the growth publicly should be pretty strong. And I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of remembering MakerDAO's growth here. Um, do you envision a world, you know, this year where you potentially have, you know, hundred million or higher locked up or kind of hitting the gas pedals on projections here? Yeah. I mean, our, uh, I won't share our exact projection for the year, but it's, it's over a hundred million. Um, if you know, you, if you took a random sampling of a hundred people that owned Bitcoin or a hundred people that owned, uh, ether, and you said, how many of those would be interested in borrowing against, their asset. It's probably five, maybe in MakerDAO's case, 10, because it's it's such a well-promoted and loved project in the in the Ethereum community. Um, five or 10 out of that 100 people. If you take the same 100 people and you say, how many would be interested in earning 6% a year on their assets paid in that asset that they're already long? I don't know the exact number, but it's a lot closer to 100. Um, if, if, if you can, uh, you know, if you, if you trust that, um, you know, your, your assets aren't going to disappear. Uh, so, so we think it's, uh, we think it's going to be pretty big. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm just wondering the effect on like when, when all these cryptocurrencies or, or a lot of the popular platforms move to proof of stake, or they're already at proof of stake, users are in yield for staking and, Serenity with Ethereum, I think the goal is half a percent or a percent. It, it moves around a lot. But that's if 100% of the network is staking. It probably won't happen. It'll probably be closer to a quarter so that the yield will be, I don't know, around 2% or something. It just seems way more sense that I could earn three times that amount on BlockFi. So it seems like you guys are going to be competing and winning against literally users staking their crypto on platforms to secure their networks. Yeah, we'll see. It's hard to say. I mean, we'll, we'll see once, uh, you know, once there's an asset that is proof of stake that's also supported uh, in the BlockFi interest account, how that works out. But we definitely view um, the ability to stake the assets as a potential channel for us to generate the yield. And we, we view our job as being um, as being one of analyzing these different opportunities and taking advantage of the ones that uh, have a minimal degree of risk while generating an attractive return. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So it's, it appears to me that you guys are one of the first companies that's, you know, going beyond like the magic and promise of crypto and like really bridging traditional financial professionals in the finance world to crypto. I mean, are you getting that vibe or is anybody else doing what you guys are doing? It seems like you're building the next bridge here. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's a, a ton of um, really smart people from the traditional financial services sector uh, working on building things in crypto, whether that's, um, you know, uh, liquidity providers or, or forums, uh, OTC or spot exchanges, uh, whether it's um, derivatives or market makers or other products uh, trying to drive more adoption like Lolly or Honeyminer. I mean, there, there's just so much 
Um, there, there's so many great things being built. We're definitely one part of that trend. And I think you described our role pretty accurately and what we're going after pretty accurately. We believe that traditional financial services have a place in crypto and that the way to deliver those is by taking some of the best practices from what's worked in traditional markets and bringing them to crypto. We've got a new asset, but we don't need to necessarily uh, reinvent the wheel in terms of uh, what functionality you want that asset to have. You want to be able to borrow against it at a low cost, use it as uh, security for a loan. You want to be able to earn interest on it. Uh, you want to be able to uh, get liquidity on it. And so, you know, things in that realm is what you'll continue to see from BlockFi. That makes sense. And do you think that the traditional players or maybe the more innovative traditional players like SoFi or, I mean, they're invested in you, but maybe OnDeck or Lending Club, do you envision a world where, you know, they roll out a competing product with you guys or is, is the learning curve too high? Well, SoFi is coming. They announced it uh, actually earlier this week that they're going to enable um, crypto trading on their uh, platform, their wealth management platform. Uh, oh, wow. So... Uh, and they announced that they're doing that in, in partnership with, uh, with Coinbase. Um, I think the, the timeline mentioned in the, in the release was Q3. Um, so, so they're doing it. And, you know, you've also got Square and Robinhood and eToro. Uh, in Japan, you have Rakuten, who's uh, uh, going to be making uh, crypto buying and selling available on their platform. Um, and, and those are all big wins for the sector. We want, uh, we want, early adoption from large financial services companies. Uh, and we want them to add crypto to their platform. So um, Lending Club and OnDeck, uh, probably not. Uh, but but SoFi is, SoFi is coming. It's really exciting. So, you know, it's hard to get institutions involved in the space. And a lot of the footholds are, you know, why would we get involved? You know, why would we allocate money? It seems like you're providing a real avenue for institutions and funds to get involved in crypto and earn a real return. Um, do you think that this conversation um, on BlockFi will you know, permeate the hedge fund rooms and the pension funds of the world, or do you think that it's probably too early for that? I mean, I think at the very least it helps. Uh, yeah, no, it absolutely helps. Um, the you know utility value of, of there being a you know reliable yield that you can generate on an asset makes the asset inherently more valuable. Um, pension funds and hedge funds uh, aren't squarely in what we view as being our addressable market right now. Um, we we leave that to uh, you know asset managers um, who do it in a fund construct uh, like some of the investors in our in our last round. But uh, it absolutely helps. Everything helps. I think that what's happening in the crypto space right now, and I don't have a good word for this, but it's like the opposite of death by a thousand cuts. Um, you know, like there's no <laughs> silver bullet, but there's so many good things uh, happening um, in so many different areas of the market that I just can't help but uh, but feel incredibly bullish and, and optimistic on the future. And at the end of the day, what's going to drive continued adoption is uh, continued adoption from retail uh, continued expansion of functionalities and market infrastructure capabilities, and, and all of those things are moving in the absolute right direction. That's great. And this might be somewhat of a random question, but there's always a question in crypto of you know how does how does this affect the real world? And I know Vlad, the Ethereum researcher, and uh, Vlad Zemfir and Nick Zabo kind of go back and forth on this. On you know, will real courts and jurisdictions play in here? 
you know, if somebody defaults on a loan on BlockFi, say, could you go after their real world assets like in normal courts and laws or, or, or is that out of the question here? Uh, legally, we could. Um, absolutely. I mean, I mean, our clients are signing uh, loan and security agreements just like they would if they were getting different types of loans. Um, it's incredibly unlikely that we would ever need to do that because of the type of lending that we're doing where it's it's lending that's secured by liquid assets. Uh, but if we ever did need to, we, we would be able to do that. You know, just going over to demographics here, do you guys have any stats on, on the lending side on, you know, what's like the average age of your borrowers or anything like that? I'm assuming it's probably a younger demographic than what we see in the traditional world. Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to, you know, crypto ownership overall. So it, it skews younger, uh, it skews male. Um, we're like 95% uh, U.S. right now in terms of our client base. Um, we're starting to see increasing activity in, uh, in Latin America, uh, a little bit, um, in Europe in terms of, uh, clients of BlockFi's. Um, but yeah, y- young guys is, is the majority of our clientele right now. That's awesome. And so you just brought up Latin America. I'm, more, I'm wondering on the geographies of interest here. I mean, it seems like you make it way easier for, you know, international countries for people there to get loans, but it also seems like, it's really easy just to do here as well. Um, is there a geographical split in your user base at all? Uh, yeah, it's primarily U.S. right now, but I think you know we're about ninety-five percent U.S. But I think that um, uh, in different markets there are are really interesting uh, uh, kind of applicability. Um, so, for example, in Argentina or Brazil, uh, they are not able, retail is not able to borrow at low cost uh, in the same way you are in the U.S. market. Um, retail is also not able to borrow in dollars, uh, whereas you know corporate and government dollar-denominated borrowing has done nothing but trend upwards in recent years. I think it's a greater $13 trillion, uh, or maybe a little more than $13 trillion market. Um, and individual people have never been able to do that. So, uh, the idea and, and the fact that someone in Argentina can get a loan from BlockFi denominated in USD, potentially funded in USD if we use uh, a stable coin um, at a rate of you know as low as 4.5% is a game changer. Um, it's a game changer for the availability of low-cost credit in those markets, um, and it's a game changer for the utility value of crypto assets that make it possible for that type of uh, borrowing to exist, which which was never possible before. So the savings product is, of course, new. But on the lending side, are there any metrics you could share just so that the listeners can gauge your growth to date? You know, whether it be maybe total issued or total total uh, you know lenders or anything or total borrowers, anything there could help. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the stuff we the stuff we've said publicly is that we grew uh, 10x in terms of our customer base in the back half of last year. Um, you can look at the amount of capital that uh, that we've raised, 60 million, as a as a good indication of um, how much volume we were doing on the USD lending side of things. Um, in terms of in terms of customers, uh, I don't think we specifically uh, disclosed that number, but it's it's in the it's in the thousands. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's what we're able to say. Got it. So two more questions for you, Zach, and I'll, I'll let you go. I know it's a busy week for you. I mean, what's the future look like for the 
attached services to BlockFi. Do you think that we're going to get to like a 2008 world where we have, you know, mortgage-backed securities where we're bundling all this stuff up and selling it in tranches? Or do you think that that's, you know, way too far down the road? No, I don't, I don't think we'll need to do that. You, you typically don't see um, margin loans or securities back loans uh, bundled and sold. So I, I don't anticipate BlockFi going that direction. Um, but uh, what you will see from us is um, more products and services. Uh, specifically, we're going to be um, doing things in, uh, in trading. Um, so being able to buy and sell at great prices with no fees. We're going to be doing things in payments, um, so we're going to have prepaid cards uh, where you can access your loan funds uh, via a debit card. We're going to have unsecured credit cards, um, so you know, imagine being able to swap your Amex for uh, a card where instead of uh, Amex points, you earn uh, Bitcoin as your you know form of uh, rewards based on how much you spend. Um, and, and we've got some other stuff that we'll be working on too. So. Um, imagine having all of those things delivered v- via a really friendly UX, uh, probably in a mobile app, um, and, and available globally. That's where we're headed. Yeah, I mean, the, the loans are great, and it's interesting, but it, it seems like you guys are the first company that's an actual financial company that's enabling what we need beyond crypto and getting lost in the tech. Like Having unsecured credit cards here seems like you could really create a crypto-native ecosystem where you never really have to deal with a bank again. Yeah, I mean, we're basically we're basically rebuilding some of those key banking product lines, but with a crypto asset first mindset. Got it. And Zach, what's the biggest issue with BlockFi, or what's the biggest hurdle for growth? What would you you know want help solving, or what would you wish that was solved yesterday? Uh, there's nothing specific. That, you know, honestly, the thing that the thing that um, that I have to try and be really, really thoughtful about, and we have to try and be really, really thoughtful about, is uh, maintaining a pace of growth and a pace of launching new products um, while uh, while doing it uh, effectively and in a way that um, you know doesn't cause uh, uh, discomfort from people on the team. You know, because we work really, really hard. We work a lot, and we have we have done a lot so far we have very ambitious plans um but uh you want to do it the right way in terms of people uh in terms of not being too risky in your execution so balancing those two things um you know you know is an art and i think we're doing a good job so far but that's the that's the thing that keeps me up at night these days i think you're doing a great job zach is there anything that i forgot to ask you or you'd like to talk about no, I don't think so. Just you know, check us out at uh, BlockFi.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, BlockFiZach, and we'd love to hear for, from you. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts, don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Zach, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it, Tom. Thank you, man. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review it so other people can find it.